Welcome to the CX Pod Europe from TTEC. Hello and welcome to the CX Pod Europe from TTEC, your CX podcast providing thought leadership and executive insight on customer issues. My name is Mark Hillary. I'm a writer and analyst focused on CX, and I'm your host for this edition. The auto industry is changing rapidly, and the UK government has announced that from 2030, no more petrol or diesel vehicles will be sold. The industry is clearly going electric, but how does this affect the customer experience for car users? Our next guest has some ideas. In this episode of the podcast, I'm speaking to Tanya Sinclair, the UK and Ireland Policy Director of ChargePoint. ChargePoint has the largest global network of public charging points for EVs. They have hundreds of thousands of charging points globally, and a new car plugs into their network for a charge every two seconds. Okay, Tanya, thank you very much for agreeing to appear on the podcast. It's great to have you. Um, Now, I wanted to ask you about some research that Ford published recently, where they they found that around half of Brits have got absolutely no intention at the moment of buying an electric vehicle themselves. And and the biggest single fear is range anxiety. But if you look at other stats, then you can see that, you know, the average British car journey is actually just a few miles. So so do you think that the public need to be maybe educated by the, the auto brands themselves about, you know, how does it actually work? There's definitely an education process that needs to take place. Whether the car manufacturers are the only part of this really complex ecosystem that has to do that educating, I don't think that's right. I think we all have a role to play. And ChargePoint as a charging manufacturer and uh, a supplier of charging solutions also has a role to play to explain how easy charging can be, for example. And that's another barrier really holding some uh, drivers back from switching to EV. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned there that everybody in this kind of ecosystem has a sort of responsibility to educate the consumers. Because I, I saw a really nice example with Nissan, where if you're interested in buying a Leaf, then they will introduce you directly to an existing customer. And I thought that that's an inspired piece of marketing, really, because no one is going to sort of um, convince you more than a happy customer. So um, have you heard of any sort of similar initiatives to, to try and convince people that, that actually it works very well. I've not heard of anything similar that's been organized from, dare I say, a top-down kind of way in the way that Nissan example has been. But definitely you're seeing as this industry is maturing and there's just that many more EVs and EV drivers around. We are self-organizing, if you like, into a a community that is helping to educate one another and then educate people that are uh, thinking about switching to EVs. And a really good example that I have been watching with keen interest is EVA England. So that's Association for EV Drivers in England. And what they've done is followed very closely the Norwegian EV Association model, where it really was a group of of early adopter EV drivers who wanted to advocate and bring more people into their their tent and tell everyone how great driving an EV was. Uh, As it happens, I'll just, by way of disclaimer, I'm, I think, member number 24 of EVA England. I got in quite quite early, (laughs) really keen to kind of see sort of how that organization would grow and develop. And in just a few months, it's really turning into a, a good, strong community. Yeah, that's interesting because then that's, uh, I guess, something that's independent of, of industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I mean, 
there are so many changes that are affecting the auto industry at the moment. And, and the, the production of EVs is just one of them. I mean, we're seeing autonomous vehicles, um, new ownership models, um, the younger people just preferring to have a, an Uber account rather than bothering to, to drive a car. Um, and Volvo offering a monthly subscription that covers everything, all your entire costs of, of running a car. I mean, what, what do you think is going to change the industry perhaps most substantially inside the next decade? It's so interesting watching these changes take place. But uh, one thing I'm fairly confident of is that none of them are going to be revolutionary. So they're not going to take us by surprise overnight. Uh, I actually, before working in the charging industry, spent eight, nine years in the auto manufacturing side of things and worked for a sister company of the, the company you mentioned, the Volvo, the Volvo owned company that does sort of subscription models for vehicles. And, you know, we've been looking at the development of those kinds of innovations over a number of years and they're popular and growing in popularity absolutely but none of them is really going to take over and be the, the predominant way that we own and drive vehicles or use vehicles uh, in, in future you know even the rise of Uber you know sharp and uh, as it has been has not really been the predominant way of getting around although it has come to you know certainly be extremely popular um, but one thing that I think is really interesting is that what has grown around the vehicle industry is is a standalone charging industry in its own right. There's over, I think, over 100 companies alone just operating in the UK in the provision of all types of technology relating to charging, whether that's the physical uh, hardware, the kit itself, uh, the software, the technology that supports the interoperability of all these different charging networks. There's, there's a lot of really good innovation and exciting technological developments that are growing in charging too. And I guess really what we could say is that we see all of this develop to improve our driving experience and our, our, our EV ownership and charging experience in an iterative way. Uh, I wouldn't be so bold as to single out one dominant technology that's really going to kind of revolutionize everything for drivers, though. Okay, yeah. And, and I wanted to ask you about the charging networks. I mean, obviously, we're talking charge point here. And, um, you know, I've rented EVs in the past. I don't own one, but but there's a, a rental network very close to me. And, and I use that quite often. And, you know, and I love them and I would love to buy one. But and I have my own garage, so it's no problem about charging at home. Um, but I'm just concerned still about the kind of longer journeys, you know, like tomorrow I'm going on quite a long journey. And um, how can I be reassured that, that the charging networks are out there and available and, and every kind of, you know, the gas station or the, um, the motorway service station will, will have facilities for me? It's it's really interesting, just before I come on to answer that question, that I always detect an, a kind of an apologetic note from people that that don't yet have an EV or that thinking about it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with not having an EV. You know, it's it's there's this sort of sense that, you know, we all must be doing better. You know, in our own time, you know, when it suits our circumstances, I think is absolutely fine. And, you know, we have this government phase out of, of, of uh, petrol and diesel vehicles kind of looming in 2030. But everyone by then, the choice will be electric and, and that infrastructure that you have questions about now will be there and it will be able to support that many vehicles. But yeah, just coming to, to the present day and to the question you ask about sort of charging on longer journeys, there's... 
I think a lot of concern about it because historically it has not been up to scratch. And I think as an industry, we do have to hold our hands up and say that, you know, we uh, could have made it more reliable uh, on those in those motorway service stations. There's a lot of very complex kind of commercial reasons behind the the, the reality of, that it wasn't up to scratch. H- however, what's happening today is is so exciting in terms of the number of companies coming forward to really deliver some quite. Uh, exciting, reliable, sustainable technology in the, the the DC rapid charging motorway setting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so sheer, the sheer number of companies and the competition in between them is kind of driving a really interesting marketplace. But not just that, the technology itself has improved, uh, really kind of come a long way since the times that it was really touch and go when you went to a motorway service station. And just to break that down sort of a little bit, so, you know, you've got the physical hardware itself, which is extremely, you know, by, by orders of magnitude, much more reliable and quicker and easy to use in terms of the number of steps it takes between, you know, getting out of your car and, and getting that car starting to charge. Uh, and then you've got the software side, which is so much more seamless than it used to be. You know, if there is ever a problem, which again is something that's decreasing significantly, you know, the support for you as a driver is, is there as well so that that you know quite legitimate nervousness about being able to charge on a longer journey i think once you get into the electric car and you you take that plunge you find that that feeling just dissipates really quickly uh, that was certainly my experience when i got an ev yeah well I, I do have a regular car that could be replaced with an ev but but i've also got a vw camper van and i don't think that thing's ever going to get converted <laughs> well i have seen some conversions of uh vans into a sort of camper van style uh electric vans um you know look anything's possible <laughs> yeah yeah and and you mentioned then that that people should feel confidence about the charging network and the 2030 deadline. So, so you feel that, that throughout this decade, we're going to see enough expansion to have a, a really solid network in the UK by the end of this decade. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's important to, to there's a couple of things to sort of realise, I guess, when you sit outside of this industry that I work in. And the first is that the, the growth of the charging network is iterative, right? These are our small scale up companies in the main who are delivering, installing, operating charging networks. And it's not really reasonable on a kind of commercial basis to expect them to put in hundreds of thousands of chargers that maybe won't be used for several years until the EVs are there ready for them. And also, we don't know really what the capability of those electric vehicles will be in five, 10 years time. So that's, you know, it's iterative and it reflects the growth of the market. You know, these are companies that want to make money. So they want their chargers to be used a lot maybe not too much so that there's not there's queues and all of that kind of thing. So, you know, this is a, a process that they're monitoring very closely. Uh, and then the other thing to kind of bear in mind about the, the growth of this network in, in 2030 uh, as it looms when you won't be able to buy a petrol or diesel car new anymore is that the government is taking a really active role in, uh, I guess you could call it the service design of, of what it is we do. And it's, it's really fascinating because I don't know if many other areas that are wholly private sector operated with maybe a small part of public sector funding like we have in charging, where the government is so keenly interested in exactly how that interaction is between the driver, the vehicle and the charger. 
And, you know, I I'm, I think it's a very welcome intervention the government's making in this area. Uh, they've just consulted on some of the measures they want to take earlier this year. And later this year, I understand they're going to be announcing some legislative changes that really will mean some, some you know, we will directly impact you know, exactly how it is we build and operate and install uh, charging infrastructure around the country. Okay, so that means maybe like more interoperability then between different networks, yeah? Exactly. That's one of the areas they're mm. looking at. And that's a really key one, you know. Uh, it's another area that is makes people a little nervous when they hear about the wallet full of, of cards and, uh, you know, uh, that, that are needed to operate different charging networks. And it's certainly my experience that I have a huge number of different cards and I would very much like to have uh, one. Uh, and that really should be the case. You know, the, the technology is, I think we're at a frustrating sort of uh, uh, growth phase of, of this industry and in that the technology is there to make all these different charging networks interoperable with one another. We know how to do it. We are doing it. It just takes time. So we're just in that very sort of frustrating period of, of the way that this industry is maturing, that we're just getting through this sort of difficult period. And then once we've, we've achieved what we need to in terms of working together to deliver fully interoperable network with government intervention, government has agreed that it's going to intervene to make the laggards kind of, you know, get come up to speed with the likes of ChargePoint who are sort of leading this process, you know, once that's all been done, yes, it will be much more easy and reliable to use any card or, or any access method of your choosing to access any charger. Okay. And, and we've talked mainly about this, this kind of individual user experience, um, the individual driver. But I wanted to ask you about fleet management and, and whether a network like ChargePoint can take away a lot of the headaches of the, the fleet manager. Because traditionally, that you know, they will have a relationship with a, a brand like Shell or BP or whoever. And so they will give fuel cards to all their drivers. Um, are you able to offer the, a similar kind of service? Absolutely. So uh, I should say from the outset that that fleet and workplace and depot charging is is ChargePoint's bread and butter. It really is something that we've uh, developed a real specialism in in terms of understanding what those organisations need to transition a diesel fleet to an electric one. And, you know, it should be said that that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Part of that is to do with the types of vehicles that are available. But in integrating the driver, the fleet driver's experience of, of fueling his vehicle with the electric charging experience is, is not a simple one either. So, yeah, there's a couple of areas I'll just highlight that have really, are, you know, tried to kind of align with what we're trying to do, which is is make it as easy as possible or, or seamless or continuous as possible in terms of the driver's experience of, of refueling diesel to, to charging uh, with EV and fuel card integration is, is one of them. So, uh, you know, using your fuel card as a charging access card on charge point chargers is something that we can do. And another thing that we also have worked very hard to develop is uh, home reimbursement. So for vehicles that are taken to the driver's home uh, overnight, for example, and they charge them at home, that cost of home charging can be split out from their home electricity bill and then reimbursed automatically to the employer or the fleet operator. Uh, and it's it's innovations like that that are uh, really make the difference for operators of big fleets to decide whether this is really something that 
can work in reality for them without uh, too much disruption to day-to-day operations. Yeah, I can imagine that would be quite a headache if you, you take your van home at night, you plug it in, and you, you're, you're racking up bills on your, your home account. Yeah. And that must be that must be fairly complex, actually, then, to, to split that out from because there's so many different electric energy companies as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's complex. I'd say the overall piece is complex. So, you know, in, ensuring the reimbursement is then sent back to the employer, ensuring that the charging is, uh, you know, is done at home with the home charger. But the smartness is all in ChargePoint's technology in, in, its, in its home charger. And it's something that we, uh, you know, have worked hard to develop, you know, identifying the problem, which is stopping fleets from, from going electric. I'd say the next step is, uh, you know, just ensuring that all the other pieces of a a complex fleet transition, you know, like the vehicles and depot charging and all the rest of it can be be managed as well. Okay. And then just to sort of wrap up then, I mean, from your your knowledge and experience of of building out this charging network um, and talking to the the auto brands and the auto media, I mean, what what do you think would, would actually encourage more fleets and more individual consumers to, to actually adopt EVs? I mean, what, what seems to be the, 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 the friction here? I'm not sure I would say there's a friction as such, but it does take people time. And I don't think it's necessarily helpful that there is an idea that we're somehow being forced to do this by the government. You know, these are extremely cool and exciting cars and they are cars that people want to drive. There's there's a little bit of a disincentive when you think, oh, I'm going to have to do this. It's a sort of innate kind of feeling that you want to rebel against that, right? So, you know, there's a little bit of kind of consumer behavior psychology kind of going on um, in the mix as well but you know we like i've said you know we're all in this together in terms of ensuring that consumers feel comfortable with the transition not forced into it not made without their businesses or their commercial activities or their going to the supermarket being made more difficult by this transition i think that's key and like i say you know whether it's the car manufacturers or the energy companies or the charging companies we all have our role to play in making sure that we are making that as easy as possible so on the charging side which is obviously where i i kind of come at this uh, challenge from you know the the, the challenges really are to ensure that charging is reliable and easy as possible. You know, the key that all drivers should have is confidence or not even to have to think about, can I charge? Is it working? Which card do I use? Uh, what happens if something goes wrong? You know, th- this stuff should not really be in our kind of consciousness. Certainly when you refuel at a petrol station, you don't kind of have those issues that cross your mind. And that shouldn't be the case with EV charging either. And there's a real mix of activities going on to solve those challenges. Some of them I've talked about, like roaming and, and interoperability to uh, give drivers confidence on that side. And then there's just improving the f- the physical estate of chargers, ensuring the quality is there, ensuring they're working and reliable and so on. And this is all stuff that is going on. Uh, It just needs to kind of, once we're getting better at it, we then need to sort of tell people about it and kind of ensure that, you know, drivers feel that, uh, you know, their their neighbours or their colleagues or whoever it is that they know who's driving an electric car is having a really good experience with it. Because I think what tends to happen is you hear about negative experiences 
and they sort of stick and those memories have a really long tail uh, and we need to get better as an industry and maybe as drivers as well uh, talking about the really good experiences we're having too. Yeah, that's a great update. And and I think that you're absolutely right, that, that when people do actually have a personal experience of an EV, then, uh, then I think it can dramatically change their mind. Absolutely. Tanya, thank you very much. That's great. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the CX Pod Europe. That's all we have time for today. Please check ttech.com slash EMEA slash CXPod for other episodes of the podcast. Thank you for listening and goodbye until the next episode.